Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the WTF1 podcast pre-season edition. We are like a day away from cars being on track. And I love the synchronized nodding from both Tommy and Katie there. They're both in agreement with me that Formula One is returning and I'm wearing a shirt for the occasion. How exciting is this? I think, you know, people are so used to seeing me as a slob, uh, but here we are dressing for the occasion. Tommy, it's a shame you didn't get the memo, uh, but how are you, my friend? The founder, of course, and uh, I'm not even going to try and come up with a random fact. I'm just going to say that you're the founder. And what T-shirt is that? Just a T-shirt, but yeah, I'm it's very It's not good. from the WTF1 shop. It isn't. I'm Well, I have a very good excuse. I am moving house tomorrow, which is great timing. But I, uh, yeah, so lots of my clothes are packed away. But of course, I would be wearing something from the brilliant <laughs> WTF1 shop if I could. And Katie, uh, I'm assuming you've got something under that jumper for, for WTF1 store, maybe, you know, something. I don't know why I'm plugging the store so much because, you know, well, I do because there's loads of new stuff on there. But anyway, Katie, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Um, yeah, I'm not wearing anything WTF1 merch related, unfortunately. So this could be my last podcast. It is actually, yeah. The yeah. boss is already ringing me. In fact, sorry, I'm just going to have to cancel that. It's right. been okay. an honour. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, today is all about the uh, the preview uh, to the Bahrain Grand Prix. Round one, we are finally here. And we've got some three-word race previews. I actually got it right, rather than just saying it's a race review like I always do, which is very exciting. Uh, so we've got a few uh, in from Tanner B, uh, Dan, Tanner P. Burrows, Hambot Ver. Come on. I don't want anyone channeling that energy. No. MK7 underscore Spenny, it's lights out, which, you know, technically it's, it's, it could be seen as three and a half words. Uh, Tyson Jones 333, Mercedes were sandbagging, and David Sullivan 84, it's again three and a half. <laughs> it's race week. Uh, of course, well, I'm, I'm not liking the amount of channeling of. Mercedes are going to be dominated. We've got two, was... two pessimistic ones and two that aren't through words. <laughs> two just factual <laughs> things are going to be happening. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, you know, I think there's a little bit more hope than maybe what those uh, couple of uh, race review previews have uh, I did have it. suggested. <laughs> Shut up. Uh, have suggested uh, because, you know, a lot of people, you know, we've done a bit of testing coverage and some people have said we've milked the fact that uh, Mercedes, you know, could be struggling. But hey, we've seen that 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 hope, that glimmer of light at the end of the tunnel of this Mercedes dominance, and we are going to run towards it as much as possible, aren't we? Exactly. Come on, guys. Bring it on. We're, we're excited. Formula One's finally back, and there's a bit of hope, so let's keep it positive. Yeah, keep it optimistic. New season, possibly new... Well, there are new teams. Hopefully good results. So, yeah, keep it positive. If anything, I, I yeah. should be sorry, Tommy. If anything, I should be uh, saying the opposite. I should be saying it's going to be a Mercedes complete lockout for the entire season because anything I say, the opposite happens. So um, I've, I've kind of missed a trick there. Yeah, jinxing power. We should should yeah. should use it wisely. But... but I think you can only use it when you're not aware of it. That's the problem. Uh, so it's a it's a power that has yet to be harnessed. Anyway, moving on. We're chatting some serious rubbish in this podcast already. Love it. Uh, some questions uh, for, from you guys to uh, really kind of just wet our taste buds for, for the season. Uh, Mimi Hopi asks, do you guys have any memorable... Is that Was that wrong, Tommy? No, just like the <laughs> username. It just tickled me, Do you guys have any memorable moments from races in Bahrain that have been forgotten by most fans? Uh, now, this is digging into my archive of my brain. And I, I, I wouldn't say it's forgotten, but I don't think it's shouted about an, as much or enough was the Rosberg-Hamilton battle, which was just unbelievable, where uh, Rosberg was behind Hamilton on fresher, softer rubber. And Hamilton, 
correct me if I'm wrong, he stayed out and took track position. Is that, is that what happened? I can't exactly remember. But either way, Hamilton was on a, a, a you know, uh, some pretty worn tyres and, uh, and slower tyres as well. I think he was on one step slower. So that, that battle was just epic. The fact that Rosbo tried to get through so many times was, I'm sure he looks back at that and goes, I was far too eager into some braking zones because he just absolutely sent it. Uh, but that, that for me, is the one memory that I, that I remember from Bahrain. Yeah, that was such an incredible race. And I, I remember that race just being truly epic and you just had battles all over all over the place. Um, in terms of un, like memorable moments that maybe have been forgotten, I noticed F1 shared uh, a clip where from 2016 where Bottas just steamed down the inside and crashed into Hamilton into Turn 1, <laughs> which I think a lot of people... Uh, that maybe a sick of Mercedes dominance wouldn't mind seeing this year. Um, and then what, one that did come to mind was Shumi versus Alonso in 2006 when you had an epic battle uh, and the fact that it's a seven-time world champion against a hyped young driver that could challenge him. I'm sure we're all hoping that that happens again because I'm sure everyone would be happy with a similar race like that where Hamilton and Verstappen... Are- Yuki Tsunoda. Yeah. Yeah, Sonoda versus. Uh, I'm Letizia surprised you didn't do your your Sonoda <laughs> messaging there, mate. To be honest, yeah, there were plenty of really good moments from Bahrain. Actually, like looking back um, to answer this question, there are so many things that happened that you're like, oh, yeah, I forgot that happened in Bahrain. Um, from the iconic "all the time you have to leave a space" quote from uh, Rosberg and Alonso, I'm not going to attempt to do it in Alonso's uh, accent at all. That was 2012. We had the 2014 Gutierrez and Maldonado crash, which was just one of the most bizarre crashes we've seen. Um, in 2008, that was quite an interesting year for Hamilton. Him and Alonso had a collision, obviously Alonso being his teammate the year prior. Um, and that weekend, Hamilton had a big crash too, which is um, quite uncharacteristic of him. Um, and then more recently in 2017, Science and Stroll had a collision as well, which was quite unusual. But yeah, I think there's actually quite a lot of really good moments from the Bahrain Grand Prix that are actually quite forgotten about. So hopefully we can have some more positive, um, memorable moments from this weekend, because obviously the last time we were in Bahrain, uh, the whole race was kind of overshadowed by Grosjean's accident. So hopefully we can make some better memories in Bahrain. Definitely. Yeah. And the circuit itself is, is actually quite a good one. I, I quite like Bahrain as a circuit, you know, it's got some high speed sections, some good opp- overtaking opportunities. Turn one is, is particularly tight and a hard breaking zone. And we don't have so many hard breaking zones in more modern tracks, which is the reason why we don't get overtaking. And uh, it's just a very simple uh, bit of um, formula there missing in some of the, the Tilka tracks. Moving on. Um, Another question, George underscore Tucker four. What are your expectations for the anticipated Red Bull versus Mercedes versus McLaren battle in round one? I don't know where, I don't know where that, that last team just popped in. I know that they're looking good with the Mercedes engine in the back, but uh, I don't think they're in the, in the conversation to, to be challenging Red Bull and Mercedes, but you know, it could be wrong. Uh, I'm sure there will be at least one thing clipped from each of us of where we've said something very uh, confidently and the opposites happened. Uh, but, my expectations are Red Bull could easily be the quickest to uh, come Sunday and <laughs> going to be a mug. And, you know, that's just I'm expecting a Red Bull victory, but that's just we're basing it off testing. And every time we do that, it's wrong. Ferrari were fastest in testing in 17, 18 and 19 and didn't win the championship once. I think 16 maybe as well. So 
oh no, 16 Mercedes were, maybe it was 15. Anyway, Ferrari have been fast as many times and never won the championship. They did win a few races, of course, when we had that epic battle in 19. But um, it's just, it's that hesitancy inside of me that just goes, come on, Matt, you know that Mercedes are going to get the get to grips with it eventually. If it's not round one, it'll be round two. So for me, I'm expecting a very close battle, to be honest. It seems as though from the data and the analysis that's that's come from testing that that there could be a, a few swings and in, uh, in between qualifying and the race. They think that Red Bull are quicker in qualifying, do they? And then the Mercedes quicker in the race. So, I mean, if that's it, sign me up. I'm there. Yeah, it seems like the the new rules, by the sound of it, haven't totally favoured um, Mercedes with their their rake they've got quite a low rake and red bull have the high rake and um the fact that they've changed the floors which i'm sure you'll have seen in our video if you haven't go watch it um there's a lot nice. of you like that yeah <laughs> like in the shop plug in the youtube yeah. videos we're the, one of the absolute flyer so yeah like because the floors changed um it seems like mercedes has been pretty hard by that this question uh i think i noticed this question and they had a mclaren profile picture i don't know if they're maybe a little bit ambitious. Um, and again, feel free to clip this because I've seen a surprising amount of people that are like, yeah, Ricardo podium, maybe even a win. And I'm kind of like, whoa, that's that's bold. I mean, we're, we're, our, our level of optimis, uh, like optimism is like Red Bull might beat Mercedes, not, not that McLaren are going to win. But I think McLaren will be third best. Uh, I'd be very surprised if they were fighting um, very, very surprised actually if they were fighting Red Bull and Mercedes. I could see maybe Ricardo, uh, if Perez maybe isn't uh, on on it straight away, maybe Ricardo and Perez might have a bit of a battle. Um, but I very much see that it's going to be between Max and Hamilton and maybe Bottas because Hamilton never tends to turn up to the first race and Bottas does uh, between those three personally. Yeah, I think these definitely are the top three um, going into the first race of who's going to be the most competitive. But I'm just interested to see how McLaren get on with their new Mercedes power unit, because obviously we haven't really seen them do a full race distance. Obviously, they've been able to rack up quite a lot of miles and testing and it seemed to be working fine. But when it actually comes down to the race, I'm interested to see if the McLaren will be able to suit the the Mercedes power unit and same for the Red Bull with the Honda. Obviously we saw quite a lot of reliability issues for them last year. So um, we'll have to wait and see if uh, reliability plays a factor at all this weekend. But um, yeah, I'm, I would love it if Red Bull could just come out and take the pole position and a one, two, and I think that'll be amazing and great for the sport. But like you guys, there is tiny little niggling thought in the back of my mind that thinks we're just going to get to Bahrain and it's going to be like, Hamilton Bottas, Verstappen. <laughs> it's going to be deja vu, but have to hold on to that tiny little bit of hope that we have. I mean, I'm not, I'm not exactly uh, all aboard the let's have Red Bull being the one-two and then dominating, uh, Katie. I'm, I'm not quite asking for a one-two. You know, just just changing of the guard now. Red Bull can dominate for another seven years, uh, but I think you know, as long as it's close, I, I don't mind. Uh, you know, usually we'll turn up in Australia and Mercedes will be so far gone because it just feels like it's a track made for them. And uh, we, we kind of have our hopes dashed. But I think with Bahrain, 
you know, we, we, we could have a, we could have an interesting, uh, interesting battle. Fingers crossed. We interrupt this WTF1 podcast for a very quick chat about our sponsor for this episode, Beer 52. How does a free case of eight Belgian craft beers sound? We might not be able to go anywhere at the minute, but Beer 52 are giving you the opportunity to transport yourself, figuratively of course, to a cosy Belgian beer cafe. Celebrate the country's ancient and world-famous beer expertise with a case of eight craft beers from some of their finest breweries for free. All you have to do is go to www.beer52.com forward slash WTF1 and cover the £5.95 postage and Beer 52 will deliver them straight to your door. If you're over 18, of course. Beer 52's Beer Boffins are on a mission to find the very best beer anywhere on the planet. Every month they visit a different country, find the best small batch breweries, sample their finest craft beer and then carefully curate a case to be sent to their lucky members. If you don't like dark beer, choose the light option. It's easy. Each case also comes with the award-winning beer magazine Ferment, as well as a tasty snack to enjoy with your beer. There's no minimum commitment either. You can just take the free case, try the beers and see what you think. If it's not for you, you can pause or cancel any time. Just go to www.beer52.com forward slash WTF1 to claim your free case of eight craft beers now. That's www.beer52.com forward slash WTF1. TF1. Right, back to the podcast. Uh, next question. Formula Miguel. Do you think Aston Martin will be able to reach Q3? Very specific question, considering we haven't even seen FP1. Uh, but I think one of the things we, we, we've struggled to really know is where Aston Martin is. They didn't set any sort of representative running in that final day. Uh, they were both, I think, over six seconds off the pace. So it's very difficult to know where Aston Martin sits. But you'd have to imagine, I know they have changed quite a bit, you know, from Copygate and Pink Mercedes, all that stuff, they have changed quite a bit in the car. So there is a chance that they've gone backwards rather than forwards because of the fact they've had to change their philosophy slightly and and make their own parts. Um, but who knows? It, it it really, I don't know how to answer that apart from ex- probably expect them to be in Q3. I would I would think so, or at least on the tail end of it. Yeah, I think obviously a lot of these are predictions from testing. We all we all know that. You can never fully know. We we have our thoughts and what, what we, we should have had our happen. own um, post a poster testing bingo where yeah. we just you know every single box is us just going yeah but it's the only thing we're we're kind of basing this on is testing and just yeah, see how many times yeah. we've said it. <laughs> I when I saw this question, I was quite surprised. I was like, reach Q three, like that seems quite um, defeatist. But when I actually think about it the fact that the midfield is so tight and and yeah you kind of think oh yeah like Aston Martin they should be getting in Q3 easily but when I actually dissect the whole thing and think that you know you'd argue that both Red Bulls both Mercedes and both McLarens are in easily that leaves four spaces then you've got Alpha Tauri looking really really strong Ferrari especially I mean regardless of how terrible Leclerc there, is. Leclerc is just ridiculous and somehow manages to get in these ridiculous laps. And you can't discount Sainz yeah. either, can you? Exactly. I mean, Sainz is... is an amazing driver. Alonso's Alonso is um, Alonso. <laughs> so he's always going to be able to do amazing things. Alonso out in Q2. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that that's 11 cars there already. So you're kind of thinking it's a lot tougher, I think, than than we think. And I'm hoping that the, the midfield battle, no disrespect to us and Martin, I hope it is close because if if that if 
we want it kind of like last year where the midfield, the team leading the midfield is always different every single race. That's what made the midfield battle so amazing and why they went into that final race with three three teams that could still take that third place. Love to see that again. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't make Q3. I think that's, yeah, one of the reasons why I quite like this question was because like you say, the midfield is so competitive this year well we hope it will be competitive from what we've seen in testing but um yeah I (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that we will see Aston Martin in Q3 they had a pretty unreliable and you know difficult testing period um and the like you say with Alpha Tauri looking strong, Alpine looking strong, Alpha Tauri only only looking strong because Yuki Tsunoda doesn't know how to turn DRS off yeah he said actually i saw a quote from him earlier he's like i didn't actually mean to it wasn't like done maliciously i was like oh, okay. i saw people saying I didn't that mean to. Like... around the final corner <laughs> activate drs yeah people were saying well, that though like slipped. he was gaining two seconds a lap which oh no easily four seconds bit. a lap you wouldn't get i'm much, joking but... <laughs> yeah it's this tiny margins and yeah i was only kidding yeah alpha tarot do look strong but yeah i think it could be an interesting one. I, I would like them to make it into Q3, but then I'd like half the grid to make it into Q3, and that's not how it works. <laughs> so <laughs> everyone can go into Q3. <laughs> Everybody, apart from one driver. Moving on, uh, the the underscore dirty underscore Mac. Will Perez outqualify Verstappen? No, but I think it will be close. I, I think Perez. People are writing him off. I believe in Sergio. I think that if there's ever a time in his career where he is ready for a top flight seat, it's now. He's come off the back of a win, one of his best seasons. Tom is smirking, so I don't know if he's about to absolutely shut this down and say Verstappen's going to wipe the floor with him. But I have hope that Perez will, you know, it's going to be one of my predictions, so I won't spoil it yet. But um, I don't think he'll outqualify Verstappen. I don't, it's just, you know, he's still getting used to that Red Bull and it's a very difficult beast to, to tame. But I, but I think Sergio will get on top of it quicker than people expect yeah i can't see perez at qualifying for Stappen again like of this, this is going to be this is going to be clipped but i rate perez i think he's a, a brilliant driver i'm really glad he's now got a car where he can essentially do things because he he has like you know been really solid midfield performances and puts in these unbelievable drives out of nowhere where somehow we manage to get podiums or even a win like he did in in Sakir. So, but you know, here comes the fanboy in me saying that Max is just another level for me over someone like Perez. And uh, and you know, Gasly is an amazing driver, and we saw what happened with him in that car. Perez, I think, will do better, and because he's more experienced and maybe doesn't need so much handholding, I think he will do better than the previous two. But I think it's clear, just like Alonso, that Verstappen is a teammate destroyer and will just wipe the floor with anyone he's partnered against. And whether would you would you could... argue that he wiped the floor with Danny Rick though? I think at the end of the end of their, um, I don't think it was floor wiping. Not not yeah. yeah I mean, like dusting enough to get uh, enough to get him to leave. Yeah, which you, which you know. Um, we could go into a whole podcast about whether it's all that Max has happened is amazing 
or it's all that Red Bull are favoring him, or it's a bit of both, or it's 70-30 or what. Um, but at the end of the day, yeah, he he does destroy teammates and kind of ruin their careers a bit. But I don't think Perez will have his career Carlos ruined. Sainz? Yeah, Torosso, yeah, he did. did he? Yeah. I thought it was reasonably close. No, he scored like 50 points to yeah, pace Carlos wise, is it's... like... Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm just throwing yeah. it out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another one that knows Max Verstappen's history, but uh, <laughs> it's on your bedroom wall, isn't it? Posting that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just let me. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> but I, yeah, I personally can't see it. But then this is going to age really badly, and Perez will get a pole, and everyone will clip this and post please. It yes. Yeah. Please. That would be amazing. I don't think Perez is going to outqualify Verstappen this race, but I think that this is going to be the one of the best battles best teammate battles on the grid this year i'm so excited to see how perez gets on like tommy said he's mega experience he's finally got a car which is going to allow him to show what he can actually do and i mean if you look at where he was six months ago contractless you know he overheard lawrence stroll in the room next to him saying that they were going to let him go and i mean imagine that's probably extremely motivating to prove people wrong and he's finally got the machine to do it so I would like to think that Perez is going to really challenge Verstappen this year I have no doubt that I think Verstappen is on another level he is 100% world championship or world champion material but I think this is going to be the closest we've seen possibly even closer when Danny Rick and Verstappen were together Ooh. I think can yeah, I can I get a prediction from everyone of twen- oh. 23 races? How many Perez will outqualify Verstappen? Okay. Um, 11. Okay, 11 times you think Perez will outqualify Verstappen. I think Perez will outqualify Verstappen four times. I was going twice, so... Oh, <laughs> I think over over one lap, I think Verstappen is much is is brilliant. Of course, you know he's he gets the absolute most out of it. I think Perez, where he comes into his own, is the race where he can manage his tires. Especially, that's a huge thing that that he's been able to to kind of master. So, I think Perez, yeah, doesn't have maybe the one lap pace, but I think he'll be there in the race to to you know make a change sometimes. And that's what Red Bull need, right? That's what all they... I bet Red Bull are so happy now, deep down, that they got rid of Albon and they know that they can rely on someone... Well, maybe. I don't know the data. They'll know the data as to whether Perez is actually up to speed or not. But yeah. I'm sure they're feeling a lot more confident now if they have a car that can challenge for the championship where they can potentially go for both drivers and constructors. They'll look like geniuses, won't they, if they... Pull this you know, off, for yeah. All, yeah, if they pull it off and, and they have a really, really strong car because imagine, you know, if we'd gone into a season where Red Bull were favourites and Max is looking like he could win the title, there'd be the anxiety that Albon would be still finishing races, even if Red Bull was better, maybe like fourth or fifth, when he needs to be like splitting the Mercedes or getting ahead of the Mercedes in races and stuff for for that to happen. So, yeah, if, if it pays off, they'll look like uh, geniuses again. Indeed, they will. Uh, next question. Uh, B.Senel. Uh, can Ferrari be more competitive this year? I think they looked a little bit better in testing. It, it wasn't like they were taking any headlines that they have done uh, quite a few times in testing. It's not like we're... Uh, I love the fact that they're actually out of the picture now of us even talking about the top three, which is mad to think how quickly that's changed when you look back to 2019, where they look like the best team on the grid. Uh, so I, I would like to think that at least Charles Leclerc would, again, I think it will be a quite a similar 
sort of season for Ferrari. I think they look like they've taken a little bit more of a step forward. So maybe they won't struggle as much in some races where they were literally fighting Alfa Romeo. <laughs> as long as they're quicker than them, they're clearly going in the right direction. And Charles Leclerc, I'm sure, will... Similar to how Haas, I think you said this before, Tommy, how Haas sometimes had a car that worked really, really well in certain conditions. I think Williams have gone for that approach this year where just one race, they'll if everything's working out fine, they might get pole. No, they won't, but that was <laughs> that was a sarcasm. But I think Ferrari, you know, you'll have those occasions where Charles Leclerc will just randomly pop it fourth on the grid or whatever, and you'll go, what the hell's going on? Uh, but I think with Ferrari finishing sixth in the championship last year, they've got a huge amount more time in the uh, in the wind tunnels and the, the CFD stuff to prepare for 2022. And I think that's where most of their thinking will be going towards because, I mean, they literally put a green logo on the car. I don't think they really care about what, what this year looks like. <laughs> yeah. Uh, trying to add more to, to what you've said, really. And there's not a lot because my notes are pretty much exactly what you said, where engines better, still think they'll struggle not back in that top three teams and i also put exactly the same as you leclerc will somehow get the odd miracle podium out of nowhere and you're like how on earth has he done that and yeah i can just see see it going very similar to last year really i'm gonna repeat exactly the same as what i said <laughs> there's an echo in here there Anything is else? um i Brian am excited yeah exactly uh, i'm excited to see how carlos gets on this year um, obviously Netflix played it out to be, oh, this is a Netflix spoiler if you haven't seen Draft to Five yet, but made it out to be that this is going to be some huge mistake and that, um, you know, we could see what a bit of a joke Ferrari were last year and is this the environment he wants to be going into? But um, I'd like to think that Carlos has got his uh, stuff together um, and that he'll be able to have a decent year. But I think that Ferrari are probably going to be looking to the new regs um and won't be too bothered about um 2021 obviously they'd like to probably finish higher than sixth in the constructors championship maybe they might even aim for fifth this year but um i can't see any sort of massive miracles while they've finished the season in second or anything like that <laughs> i think if they don't take a step you know it looks like they've, they've gone a little bit uh, uh, sorry had a bit more improvement on the engine front and whatnot and but if they haven't taken a step forward they will even further back potentially because you know a lot of teams are showing quite a bit of promise so going to be very interesting indeed uh, to see how that all unfolds uh, next question Rahul under uh, Rahul, Rahul R underscore 19 the top seven teams look to be stronger than ever and all of them could realistically challenge for podiums that means that the first 14 positions are already taken do you think that it is it's a possibility that the Haas Williams and Alfa Romeo could all finish the season without any points yes there's a strong chance. I think Haas in particular, they haven't really done much. They've just kind of gone, yeah, we'll just we'll just see you in 2022. Uh, Williams, as I mentioned already, they've kind of made a car where they might just be really quick on one certain day and that'll be it. But hey, if they you know manage to grab a ninth somewhere and nowhere else, then that's, that's a win for them. And obviously with George Russell behind the wheel, I'm sure there'll be a point somewhere in that Williams or at least a potential point before he crashes behind the <laughs> was literally about uh, <laughs> And Alfa Romeo, we'll see. You know, if if they're still on on par with Ferrari, they might be able to grab a point somewhere. But yeah, I think those three are still going to be struggling to to get out of Q1 uh, and and then get any sort of points potential. Yeah, similar to the the Q3 question. This, this I guess the question itself kind of explained and put it all into perspective that even you know I'm 
old enough to remember watching F1 where points went up to six and then it was eight and then it was 10. And a lot of people were like, oh, 10, you know, if everyone gets points, it's not, it's not really that special. But now, you know, you've got such a competitive midfield and the cars are so reliable that what you get like maybe two or three DNFs tops every single race now, whereas in the 90s or 2000s you used to get in like seven cars finishing all the time which would help um, with the race rundown quite a bit yeah exactly but this means that yeah like Haas Williams and Alpha I can see it being very similar to last year with it and if you have a race like Monza or Sakia uh, where it's a bit crazy that's where the championship could almost be decided for them because Williams might be the better car than Haas or Alpha or whatever for the whole season. And they're finishing 13th, 12th, you know, George Russell's popping it in Q2, the odd occasion. And then, you know, Haas might, there might be an absolutely crazy race and a Haas or Alpha or whoever somehow, you know, gets a P8. And that's just such a huge thing that it's going to propel them from 10th to 8th and then, it's almost like no one's going to be able to catch that because when the when the norm continues. So, yeah, I feel like it's a strange dynamic that it almost doesn't matter who's fastest. It's it's who's there in that crazy race when ten cars finish. Who's picking up those big points? And that's going to decide it. Out of the three options that they gave there, the Haas, Williams and Alfa Romeo, I'd like to think Alfa Romeo are the ones that could are the most likely to get points from that trio. Um, they had a pretty strong 2020 and uh, both Kimi and Giovinazzi both got some point scoring finishes throughout the season um, and they've looked strong in testing. There's another one for the bingo card. Uh, so I think they're probably the stronger out of the three. But like Tommy said, it's going to be, well, for the fact that F1 is predictable in some cases, maybe towards the top end of the um, finishing results, in that middle pack, um, we have some really bizarre results that come about. And um, hopefully these three teams can uh, take advantage of those crazy races, as Tommy called them, um, and score some of these random rogue points but yeah unfortunately I think everybody's got very high expectations for Williams this year I'm not sure quite where that's come from maybe just because we saw what an absolute superstar George Russell was in a Mercedes but I think for somebody even as good as George it's gonna take possibly a miracle um and the perfect weather conditions for that Williams to score any points but then hey we could go to Bahrain and they could end up getting a double points finish so who knows? <laughs> That's the uh, pretty much the summary of this entire podcast. Who knows? Um, back underscore up 1337 says, who do you think will be the best rookie? Sonoda next. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is, this is one we can confidently say. If if Yuki Sonoda is not the top rookie, something's gone very badly wrong for him. And he's had an absolute shocker because, like we mentioned in the previous question, Haas are struggling to, well, the... Survive. Yeah, even, even to, to survive, even with uh, experienced drivers like Grosjean and Magnussen, they they struggled to score any points uh, and improve. Whereas you know they've got two rookies now, uh, and Sonoda's in a car where you think that AlphaTauri should be getting the, even in that competitive meal, uh, like midfield, the odd 
the odd points here and there at least. So yeah, he should easily do it. I can confidently say. <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's fair. It's interesting, like hearing about Sonoda because you guys both obviously watch F2, um, whereas it's something that's fairly new to me. I've only started watching it sort of the last few races last year, but um, I know that Tommy is a big Sonoda fan boy. Um, obviously, the tattoo could've, on his back as it, well. Could have stopped it at fan, but went fan boy. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> He's got the uh, big uh, Yuki Sonoda tattoo on his back. Uh, fan oh. club established 2019. So um, I think, yeah, it will be definitely Yuki Sonoda that's the best rookie, um, just because he's got a better car as well. Yeah, but obviously make Schumacher, you know, he's yeah. the best rookie deep down in my heart no matter where he finishes uh next question naomigo what will the biggest surprise of the weekend be wow we're going with big questions here the biggest surprise of the weekend i don't even i don't i don't know um i'm gonna say that everyone thinks Perez is gonna be rubbish and he's not gonna be rubbish not everyone but tommy I don't think Fred's going to be rubbish. Uh, my biggest surprise is going to be a lot of people are going to be disappointed with Aston Martin, I feel. Um, I think they're going to be a bit of a disappointment, especially as we've seen with these podcasts. We oh, yeah, biggest surprise is get... Stroll out-qualifying Vettel. Sorry, carry on. Okay. We seem to get a lot of questions where it's like, how many races will Sebastian Vettel win this year? And it seems a bit like, wow, you're really buying into the Aston Martin hype. Um, you know, maybe they were sandbagging and six seconds off the pace was all a joke and they turn up and they're like, ha ha, look, we're powered by money and can <laughs> like win the race easy. Um, but that would surprise me. And also it sounds like, well, it sounded like last week's sprint races were going to be announced, but I can, I, f I feel like they're going to drop that just before, uh, fp1 so i feel like that'd be a surprise for people that sprint races are gonna happen yeah for a few races yeah like three races this year like Not tommy properly. and i've been saying <laughs> yeah we don't understand why they've waited or why we think they're gonna wait until like the first race to announce that but who knows um i think the biggest surprise of the weekend um i'm gonna go with the weather we saw um some sandstorms during pre-season testing <laughs> yeah that's my prediction. Uh, but I've got a feeling that the weather is probably going to affect probably, mm, well, obviously I can't predict the actual weather, but maybe practice session or something will get affected by a heavy sandstorm again. I love how we've done shame. predictions. No practice, that'd be a shame. We've just done <laughs> predictions before predictions. I love this. Yeah. But now moving on to predictions. Um, <laughs> of course, if you're new around here to this podcast, uh, when we actually have races and we're not filling for content for three months or more like we did last <laughs> year, uh, we actually make predictions for the upcoming race. So uh, we each have two uh, and then we kind of, someone will tot up the points at the end, even though, I don't know, I don't think we even announced who won last year, but it was definitely me. Um, but <laughs> Katie, I mean, if it was you, that would have been impressive. Yeah. Um, my two uh, predictions are Perez within 0 0.2 of Verstappen in Q3. So within two tenths of a second, okay. I think that's a fair, fair, uh, Fair uh, guesstimate. Uh, and Ricardo, best of the rest. So, yeah. Okay. Tommy? Who's, who's next? Me. Oh, Katie. Oh, it says Katie, but you're oh, usually okay. next. You, you go, Okay, Tommy. sorry. Uh, Verstappen pole. Oh. Oh. 
So your Yuki Sonoda tattoo is right next to your Max Verstappen tattoo, isn't it? From yeah, 2016 yeah, yeah. or whatever. Um, and no DNFs in the race. Not a single one. Bold. That is bold. I'll give you that. I've said a top five finish for an Alpha Tauri. And... Well, very vague. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll, I'll say Gasly. I'll go Gasly. <laughs> okay. Um, and then Bottas finishes ahead of Hamilton, which I'm waiting for it. You go, oh, that's really obvious one. Uh, it's not, not obvious. Really. Okay, no. that's fine. It's a trend, isn't it? That yeah. Bottas decides to turn up for round one and then not the other, however many we have. So interesting. Okay. Uh, and then the fans, Messi Lusada says double DNF for Red Bull, one two finish for Mercedes. Goodness gracious me, please no. I won't be on and the podcast if that. <laughs> CG Zinzu, double Williams points finish. Fans are going big. I'd love to know yeah. what the fans are, are drinking. And uh, Westy 2209, Alonso podium with Ocon in P4. We've had a crazy race if any of those happen, really. So it's going to be a Mercedes 1-2, Alpine 3-4, and then Williams 9th and 10th. Can you That's imagine something. if that that happens? The fans get a full points scoring in the first round and we're all blown away. Yeah, I'm there for that. I'm not here for the one-two finish from Mercedes, but everything else I'm I'm here for. Right, we're done. We're finished. It's complete. The first, not really first of the season, the preview before the first round of the season is done. Uh, make sure to check out our sponsors, Beer 52. And uh, before we go, Tommy, final thoughts? There's, the funniest thing is you won't be able to hear this, but when you said final thoughts, there was a uh, lorry reversing outside my window. So it's just going beep, beep. I, think I, I, my... I thought I could hear yeah. that. I thought it was <laughs> outside my No, my literally like, in my brain was just going beep, beep. <laughs> <laughs> and there are my final thoughts. Oh, brilliant. Okay. Uh, and Katie? Bring on the first race of the season. God, yeah. Fair enough. That's what I was going to say. Something along those lines. Bring it Very up. much looking forward to uh, the first round of the season. Of course, we will have uh, the podcast coming out again uh, after the first round. We'll have Internet's Best Reactions back once again. Very exciting indeed. We'll also be doing some F101s across the season to uh, explain anything that goes on that some people may not understand, including ourselves. But we'll find out the answers and make videos for you. That's it. Thank you so much, Tommy, Katie. Brilliant to speak to you as always. And we'll see you very soon. Thank you for watching, listening. Give us five stars wherever you're listening or up or thumbs up or thumbs don't. don't no, come on. Thumbs don't up. say thumbs down. No, no, thumbs that doesn't up. exist. Anyway. And uh, that's it. We, You know we deserve it. Bye. 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 Still haven't checked. No. <laughs>